Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, everybody. This is Flight Deck, an inside look at the New York Jets. My name is Rich Zamini. I cover the Jets for ESPN. Quite a week for this football team. They lose a tough one to the Raiders. Michael Carter gets cut. A players-only meeting for the offense. Robert Sala opens the door for an Aaron Rodgers return. And oh yeah, there's a must-win Sunday against the Bills. We'll get to all of it, I promise. First, I want to just say that former Jets linebacker and current ESPN radio studio analyst Greg Buttle is going to join us in the second segment. Funny guy, he's a great storyteller, and I'm going to see if I can squeeze a good story or two out of him as we talk about uh, the Jets and maybe even some former Jet stuff. But first, let's start with the news this week. Michael Carter getting released. He gets claimed on waivers by the Arizona Cardinals. And really, this had been building for weeks. Uh, let's be honest, Carter was not performing well in his role as a third down back. And he wasn't happy in his role. Not since last year. He's been passed over by other players. He's lost some playing time. And I believe, based on conversations that I've had, I believe he articulated those feelings to people in the building. Michael is an emotional person. I mean, he's a passionate guy about football, and he's an emotional person. Uh, you remember that sideline argument several weeks ago with Taylor Embry, the running backs coach? Well, Embry made a passing comment about Carter's blocking in that game, and Carter just snapped. He went off, and we saw that heated exchange on the sideline. So in this case, I think once the Jets decided that they wanted to demote him and promote Izzy Abanaconda into his role, I think the Jets went to him and, and presented that, and I think both sides uh, sort of came to an, a mutual agreement that it would be best for him to move on. I don't think, you know, technically maybe he didn't request a trade, but I think it was kind of understood that it was best if they put him in a different environment. So let's call it a mutual parting. And and these are starting to pile up for the Jets. I mean, earlier this year, McCall Hardman wasn't happy. You've had Elijah Moore, Denzel Mims, now Carter. It's a bit concerning. And I know of at least one or two other guys on offense who really don't like their current situations either. Which brings us to this players-only meeting, which happened on Tuesday uh, what happened was they were offense was in their meeting, defense was in their meeting, and I think the offensive players just said to the coaches, can you give us a few minutes, and they talked it out. And, you know, you've heard a lot of positive spins on this players-only meeting, but let's be honest, something ain't right if they're having meetings. Something smells a foul. Like, from what I understand, Garrett Wilson, Tyler Conklin, and Lakin Tomlinson were kind of the uh, – spokespersons at these meetings at the meeting they did a lot of the talking they were the driving forces but something ain't right on offense and, and it ain't just Zach Wilson or Nathaniel Hackett this is not a cohesive unit they don't play together 
They don't play for each other. And how do I know? Look at all the penalties. I mean, seven on offense in the last game. These are just careless penalties uh, lining up in the wrong formation. C.J. Ozama blatantly holding his guy on the goal line. That's a careless play for a veteran player who should know better. And, you know, like I said, they just don't play together. They don't play like they're having any fun. Now, I know you're going to say it's hard to have fun when you, you can't score and they've got 11 straight quarters without a touchdown, but they just don't seem to be enjoying themselves out there. I mean, you just see the body language and you feel it. Football is the ultimate team game. I know you've heard that a thousand times, but the Jets are playing like 11 individuals on offense. It's not a talent issue. I think it's a lack of leadership and accountability, which is probably they recognize that, and that's why they decided to have the meeting. But it's hard when your leader is 3,000 miles away. Aaron Rodgers is the leader of this offense. Players revere him. They talk glowingly about him, but he's in Malibu. He's at home rehabbing his Achilles injury, and it's just weird because he's such an overpowering presence, but he's only there on the weekend. He'll pop in for the weekend and fly back. And I'll be honest, I think it's an unhealthy dynamic. You know, there's been a lot of positives about it. They've generated a lot of positive publicity with um, Rodgers, how he's inspiring them. And I do think the players are drawing inspiration from him. I think they realize, they think they are, but I don't know if they really are. Because, first of all, it's an unhealthy dynamic. You never want to have or rely on injured players to be your leaders. This is really unique because he's so visible. He's got a platform. He's on the McAfee show every week. And I will note, you know, he did call out Makai Becton on this week's show for missing a block on that third and one play against the Raiders. And let me tell you, that did not go unnoticed. And there were some reverberations in the building. And I, Rodgers, did go on to praise Becton. Uh, and I truly believe he has a lot of admiration for, for Makai. But he did single him out. Maybe I'm old school, but I don't think injured players should be seen or heard from. And I've talked to former coaches about this, and they feel the same way. I just think there's a leadership vacuum on the Jets partly and largely due to the Rodgers situation. And the old organization is guilty of this, too. They're always posting video and pictures of Rodgers throwing, walking, doing whatever. And I get it. You know, it keeps the fans excited about Aaron Rodgers. But like I said, I don't know if it's the right thing for the locker room. And I think you're seeing it play out on the field. And I almost feel bad for Zach Wilson. Now, look, he's not playing well. He's probably one or two bad games away from losing his job, but he's a lame duck quarterback. And it's not an easy situation when people are talking and fawning over Aaron Rodgers and when he's going to come back. And it undermines Wilson's ability to lead the offense, which gets me back to the original point that just a lack of leadership and accountability on offense. Now, Rodgers is going to return full time to the Jets next week, Thanksgiving week. And he has made it quite clear on several occasions that he wants to play this season. Now, Rod, Robert Sala was asked about that this week, and he gave a very diplomatic answer. He said, basically, if the doctors clear Aaron Rodgers and he wants to play, he'll play. That's the right thing to say. However, I am not 100% convinced 
that the Jets really want him to play. I, that doesn't mean they can't sit down and try to talk him out of it. Um, it's just, it's going to be a long shot. I mean, just look at the calendar. He said something about a mid-December return. So, okay, if he plays December 17th against Miami, he's going to need three weeks of practice. That means he needs to start practicing November 29th, coming off the mini-bye. He's not even running yet, so that seems a little premature. If he makes his return on Christmas Eve against Washington, he'd have to start practicing December 6th. Um, And then, right after the Washington game, they have a short week against Cleveland, that Thursday night game. Is that that smart, to make a 40-year-old quarterback coming off Achilles surgery in less than four months play two football games in a five-day span? That doesn't seem too smart. And, of course, all of this is moot if the Jets are out of the race. And even Rodgers has said that himself. I just, look, like I said, Robert Sala gave the right answer. He doesn't want to piss off his franchise quarterback. They definitely want to have him back next year healthy. A lot of risk involved in putting him back on the field this year. And like I said, if they don't win Sunday against the Bills, then the rest of it might be for naught. And then this Rodgers situation will continue to hang over the head in a way that I don't think is all positive. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. He was drafted by the Jets in 1976 and started at linebacker all the way through to 1984. You can hear him on the pre- and post-game shows on ESPN New York Radio. He's been a fixture on the New York football landscape for many decades. He is, of course, the one and only Greg Buttle. Obviously, you know the Jets had a players-only meeting this week. Their offensive guys on Tuesday met to to talk it out and talk over some issues. I'm sure in your time as a player, you you've been in some players-only meetings. What take us inside? Like what goes on there? If you could relate to one, maybe a memorable one that you had in your career, and what can be accomplished? Well, let me. There's a, there's a, a number of things that, that are out there. We 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 certainly did have. Uh, a player meeting. We we started the season one three and one against uh, in eighty two, and uh, had a had a players only meeting defensively about it, and talked about how we were terrible, and everybody had to be accountable. And it's 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 more or less when you go out there and you talk to each other in the room together. It rarely happens because usually it's one-on-one in a locker room or it's the linebackers among the linebackers or the line with the line. And even though you're together in that room, you're not 
you're not having a conversation about everybody and the previous game and what are you going to do going forward. Everybody's doing their own, in their own little fiefdom. The linebackers have to do this. The defensive backs have to do that. And I think that what it does is it, 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 it really puts everyone on the same page of what everyone's thinking. And it's, it's not about pointing fingers. It's, it's about discussing why we do dumb things and how the best to accomplish going forward. And again, just, you know, do your job and understand how that's going to work. So that's what it does. It puts everyone on the same page. And I think it, uh, it, it probably, especially when, you know, you know, leaders on your team, your captains get up and say, listen, I'm as guilty as everybody. You know, I, I, I did this or I did that. I could have played better. And I think that once you have a little come to Jesus with that, that, that you should get response. If you have good leaders on your football team, you'll get a good response. You're not going to split and, and, and curse everybody out. That's not what happens. Was that productive, that meeting in 82? Did it work? Yeah, we went to the playoffs. Right. Yeah, we went to the playoffs. And that was the 88, 82, where we lost in a championship game. Right. Yeah, that's right. But that was the strike uh, shortened year. That's uh, yeah. ending in yeah. the infamous mud bowl. Uh, now, those those meetings can get sure. kind of heated, though, can't they? I mean, they don't. I mean, do guys just vent at each other. Have you ever been in any of those kind of meetings? I've been in the locker room all my life. That happens every day in the locker room. Somebody's bitching about something and, uh, you know, or somebody says something and, and uh, and the other guy gets picked off and it doesn't necessarily mean about the game or anything. No one's sitting there going, Hey, well, you dropped the pass, you jerk. No, that's not, that's not what happens. Um, it's, it's more of a, a, a pick, um, on, on somebody about what, what, what has happened. And, um, uh, and most of that time it, it comes from, uh, what I call in psychology an individualist. Uh, the individualist is all about himself. Uh, the the social binders about team. And so if you have a lot of social binders on your team, uh, you're able to overcome the individualists. So, and, and again, getting into a whole dissertation on that, it, it really, it really is true is that you've got to be able to control your team from within. You certainly can't control it from without, but no matter what, the rich Samini's of the world, right? Or the Serbies or the, the Jerry Eskenazi's at the time, whatever they want to write, it, it's, it's, it's like just a, a B flat monotone. You, you've got to not pay attention to it and not even think about it. Interesting, interesting thoughts. Uh, so when you look at the jets, obviously they have some issues on offense. They can't score, which is a pretty big issue to have. Sure. Uh, what are your takeaway when you look at this jet offense? What are your thoughts on you know what's going wrong and and why? Well, I, again, I, I I I do look at it with a critical eye, but I don't look at it as a fan. I look at it as you know, an X's and O's type of thing, and and what players are doing. And uh, when it first came out, the obvious answer was Rogers went down. Now now you've got to put in Zach Wilson, and he hasn't practiced. <laughs> So when I say practice, he's not practicing with the first team. He's, he's running the scout team. So I go, okay, that's the excuse. Now, all of a sudden, uh, they end up winning the game with a punt return. Okay, he, he was able to get through it. Then the, the offensive line gets messed up. And so you look at that and you say, okay, it's the offensive line. And then I watch games more and I find out it's, it's, 
Zach can't do this or Zach can't do that. And everyone's jumping on on the kid, uh, whether you're a former quarterback or you're a you're a, a, a journalist or you're a uh, uh, a fan. They jump on what they what the obvious vision is, and and the obscure vision is. Let me tell you something. There's no wide receivers getting separation other than Garrett Wilson. There's no wide receivers that are that are contesting balls and winning the con- contest. There there are offensive line woes from right tackle to left tackle that you look at, and the injuries have destroyed that that offensive line. Despite the fact whether I I am highly critical of the starting five that started the season. <clears throat> The, the guys that are in there now are having a difficult time and, and rightly so half of them haven't played pro football for more than a week. They come back in there. So and you have a, a young quarterback that yes, he's in his third season, but the kid went through nothing, no learning experience the first year, everything knows, everyone knows what happened with that. And again, I'm not defending, I'm not defending Zach Wilson's play. I'm, def- I'm defending what has happened and surrounding him. And now he needs help. There's two types of quarterbacks in this league. Ones that can make you better, others that you can make them better. Right now, nobody is making Zach Wilson better. And the offensive coordinator can do whatever he wants. And as I've said many times, players play and coaches coach. You get on out on that field, go make a play. Don't be stupid, play hard, play fast, and play smart. They have not done those three things. Offensively, they've done two out of three most of the time defensively, but you can't go out there with the, with the uh, uh, inability of an offense uh, and make it harder for them. They keep shooting themselves in the foot with penalties. So all of these things matter, and Salah's not kidding when he says, it's not just the quarterback. Yeah, you could point your finger at Zach Wilson. Boy, did that stink. But I got to tell you something. They're four and five. How are they four and five? Well, their defense is good. They've lucked out in some games. They've made plays. But you can't do stupid things on a football field when you're not really good. You can do it if you're scoring 38 points a game. Okay, uh, we, we, we held on that one drive. But they don't hold on one drive. They don't go in motion on one drive. They don't have procedure penalties on one drive. And it seems they have them all in the red zone. So you want to add all that together? That's a problem. Whose fault is it? That's what everyone wants to know. Whose fault is it? What do you think? Salah sits there and goes, hey, you know what? It's okay. No problem. Go ahead. Do the penalties. Oh, by the way, it's okay. Throw interceptions. Okay. It's okay. Don't get separation. It's okay. Don't come back in the zone. You just keep running into the zone. The quarterback will throw it to you, but you know what? We got a problem. You got to come back. You you read zone, you got to sit in the zone. If you read man, you got to separate. So all of these things need to be done. And 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 I will tell you something. The one thing that that is true because I watch films. There's breakdowns all over the place by a lot of people. So it's not Zach, just Zach Wilson. And sure, he's got his own issues. Yeah, could he sit in the pocket a little longer? I don't think so. There are times where, you, you know, you know it's, uh, uh, he gets to a point where, holy mackerel, it's, it's caving in on him. And now you take your eyes down off the field. You're not getting separation with a wide receiver. How are you going to throw a comeback? Where are you going to go? So all of these things matter. 
and it affects your it affects the team greatly in the red zone. One of the former quarterbacks who was very critical of Zach Wilson was your former teammate and dear friend Joe Namath, as you, you know, a few weeks ago. So, w- what did you make of that? You know, <laughs> that little unlike Joe. Well, I'll tell you what I made of it. But I got to tell you, no, I, I'm, it's it's really not unlike Joe because. Seriously, I've had many conversations with Joe. He's a very good friend of mine. And he's a fan. He wants to see them win. And he looks at things, you know, from a TV perspective. But he doesn't sit back and watch film. I I watch film. And and as a player, you you can see certain things. But you, you must watch film to understand what happened on certain plays. What coverage were they playing? Was it man? Was it zone? Were they blitzing? Was it four man rush? Was it five man rush? Uh, wh- wh- what happened? Did the, the receiver fall down? Who was holding? Did they chip block or did they have to chip block? Did the running back pick up the blitz? All of this stuff matters. And, you know, he was highly critical of, I, I think, when Zach uh, hit the ground, he hit the dirt. Now, yeah. Yeah. Namath doesn't know at the time how he's coached. And, and, and by the way, they may say, listen, if it's surrounding you, get down. We don't need you getting hurt. Okay, so I, I could see that. I don't know as a fact that that's what's said. But if you watched uh, Peyton Manning or Eli Manning or Tom Brady play, I'm telling you, they've hit the dirt before the guys hit them. And so I get that. You don't want to be injured. So whereas you're emotionally tied to it as a fan may be, or, or name it, or former players, you 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 get over over emotional about something that happens because you're frustrated, and frustration makes you say things that you know you you may not know as a fact. And and you know Joe is no different than me or you or anybody else. Is that you you really have to understand what's going on to know the real answer. And unfortunately, there's a few people that really know what's going on. And they're all in that locker room. They're not sitting here on a podcast talking about this stuff. Okay, maybe you want to get you want to get uh, Aaron Rodgers talking on a podcast about individual players. It's not going to do it. They're not going to do it. And the coach isn't going to do it. The players aren't going to do it. And I get it because it's a tough game. It's not easy to play this game. And when things go bad, you've got you've got you've got psychological issues to deal with. Not only physical issues psychological issues. One of the big things to do is to keep your team together because as, as everybody in the media might think, hey, they're four and five. They got no shot. Well, yeah, you know, once they get on a roll, does, does uh, 12 and five get you in the playoffs? I think so. Wins your division. How about 11 and six? I think so. It might win your division. How about 10 and seven? I don't think so. I don't know. So. The Jets have leeway if they become better, if they do things better, which I've seen stuff happen and change all the time. So I'm not one of those guys that says, oh, they're done. You know, but everyone's got to have a story. Everyone has to have information. Everyone has to talk about something. And it, it becomes ad nauseum about, you know, talking about Zach Wilson, the quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback. And the ob- ob- obvious thing is, is that the, the Jets as a team, as the Giants as a team, are all teams that are under 500 or ones that have just lost in there. The Buffalo Bills, they fired their offensive coordinator. They have to stay together as, as a team and work through it. 
Every single team out there works weekly. This is not a monthly game. This is not, I won the Super Bowl in, in September. It's, I got this game next week. I got to play, I have to play better. I've got this game next week. We've got to practice better. What can I do to be better this week? Has nothing to do with last week or in two weeks. And that's the hard thing for fans and, and media and everyone to understand because all of a sudden you get cliches for answers. You want to talk to some of these players, you're going to give you cliches. That's all they're going to do because what they're trying to say is, look, I can only control what I can control. And you know what? I'm working as hard as I can. That's all. Well, we're, you know, we're good interviewers here, Greg. Uh, you give us some credit. I think we can get more than cliches out of these guys. Some of, you know, some of the players are pretty. No, no, uh, but, can, but, Yes, not, I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm not yeah. saying that. But, but anybody can talk to you when you're five and two. Mm. But if you're two and five, what's there to talk about? What's there to talk about? The only thing that you can talk about is the bad stuff. Yeah. And so what's harped on is the bad stuff, Rich. And yeah. so you come in and go, hey, you know, you guys are two and five. There's no way you can make the, uh, the playoffs. What are you going to do now? I'm going to say, get out of my face. <laughs> what do you, you got to tell me? A You're giving me rhetorical questions to answer. Yeah. There are some that have no answers other than let's go on the field and let's practice again. And you know what happens? At the end of the year, you're going to get the results. Who's getting fired? <laughs> what players won't be there? You know, but during the season, that's that's the frustration from players. So when I say they will answer in cliches, that's what they're going to do. What else can they tell you? They're not going to go bad enough. Hey, you know what? You know, Rich, uh, don't tell anybody this, but it it, it was really uh, uh, let me just it was really the punter that lost our game. Boy, yes, what a lousy punter. that was. You know what I'm saying? It so so no one's going to say that, and if they do say it to you. And you write it, well, then that guy's in trouble from all of his buddies. Yeah. So yeah, they're not doing it. That's all I'm saying when they talk in cliches. Greg, this is so funny. While we're doing this interview, I just got a friend request from Joe Klecko on Facebook. I, I, I kid you not, uh, which is weird because I was going to ask you about Joe getting into the Hall of Fame this summer. And I know you guys were teammates and dear friends and I believe roommates, if I'm not mistaken. And so I'm just, yes. I just yes. want to take a quick trip down nostalgia lane here. And like, what did it mean sure. to you to see your good buddy going into Canton? I know you guys had some, some great times together uh, in the football on the field in the locker room and some, probably some other places too. Yeah. Awesome what was that stuff? And don't, don't just think it's Joe Klecko, by the way, it could be some fake phony fraud guy <laughs> closing. I've, I've had that happen to me many times, but Go ahead, shoot on Clacco. What do you want to know about my boy? I mean, you guys were, uh, you know, you guys were uh, roommates. Yeah, so, like, what was that like? I mean, you guys must have uh, a couple of very shy, bashful guys like yourself. I'm sure you guys didn't have any fun in the room back in those days. <laughs> well, I, I would, I, I'll tell you the, the, the one thing that Joe and I had in, had in common that I, I think was... Uh, uh, probably the th the thing that that, that that made us meet and, and become very good friends, and that is, we we really um, thought the same things about the same things: working hard, getting in the playbook, studying, not going crazy the night before a game, doing the doing the right thing, working, getting it done, 
and and a, f- a full team guy. And so I think that was the easy part about getting together and and rooming. And it was uh, it was convenient for both of us. Uh, uh, we, we both w- weren't uh, insecure. Uh, we weren't narcissistic. You know, so all of the things that we talked about were really about family and football. And so I think that that was the easiest way that we got together. And I became very good friends with Joe and, um, and without, you know, sounding uh, nostalgic, I think it was uh, absolutely great that Joe Klecko got in the hall of fame, deserved it as much as any other person that's been in the hall of fame. Yeah, he was he was uh, on cloud nine that whole weekend in August. He was really, uh, really just so honored. Sure was. And so, I mean, you guys are rooming together. You guys ever skip out and miss curfew to go out and have some fun or like give me a training camp story or something where you guys might have, uh, you know, cut corners a little bit. And well, maybe- I'll, t- I'll tell you a train. All right. I'll tell you a training camp story. OK. And we were in Tower C at Hofstra and. uh uh, we're 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 coming down the elevator, and and the way they did it, I think they put all the veterans on the top floor, and so all the veterans were separate from the the younger and the rookies and all those guys in camp. And and remember, in those days, we we had a lot of guys in camp, we're like 120 guys in camp at times. Right. And so we're coming down the the, the elevator for breakfast. It's uh, seven in the morning. We're on the 10th floor. It stops at the 9th floor. Stops at the 8th floor. Stops at the 7th floor. Stops at the 6th floor. And and we're getting pissed off. I'm going, Joe, we, we got to do something to stop this. He says, uh, what do you want to do? I said, you boxed in, in, in college, right? He says, yeah, yeah. I said, uh, and didn't you go around with, with Fraser? Yeah, I went about 25 seconds with Fraser <laughs> until he got pissed off and hit me. And then that was it. I said, all right, so listen, let's make a story. And we'll get these guys to know they're not getting on the elevator with us. We're going to go down. And he said, okay. The next morning we come down, it stops at the ninth floor and these guys are subsidized. And as they get on, I'm having a conversation with Joe, pretending these guys don't exist in the elevator. And I go, Joe, didn't you box in college? And he's saying, yeah. Now all of these guys in the elevator have no idea. They're, they're, they're rookies and free agents and everything like that. And I go, uh, and 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 I tell Joe now. Remember, you got to talk like you're punch drunk. He says, "Okay." So we're coming down to the other. I was you boxing college. Yeah, yeah, I I I, I boxed in, in college. <laughs> so we're sitting there and go. And and what happened? You know, I used to get hit. I said, "Boy, does it does it affect you?" He goes, "Yeah, yeah." He says, "Every time I hear a bell, I come out like I'm punching in the ring." I said, "Oh, it does." And he goes, "Yeah." Now we're about the fifth floor. There's about eight guys in the elevator. And I hit the emergency button and the bells go up. He starts punching. He starts shadow boxing with everybody in the elevator. The doors open. They scream. They run. They get off the elevators. Last time anybody got on the elevator with Joe Clack. Oh, with me. <laughs> we thought that was hilarious. That was funny. Wow. That's uh, I can see that happening with you two guys. That, that's uh, that's classic. So who? Uh, it was I mean, all that, in good fun. All in yeah. Good fun. And you're right. Back in those days, they had 120 guys on the roster. I mean, the, in the pr- training camp, t- two-a-day practices, which they don't have anymore. And your, your practices were endless back then, right? I mean, sometimes you'd be on the field for three or four hours. 
Oh, tremendous. And then, by the way, that's that's and then you're lifting weights for another two hours. I mean, it wasn't easy. It's certainly not easy as and, and I would say nothing's easy. It's just less tedious today than it was in our days. Unbelievable. Yeah. When when did you start uh, doing your stuff over uh, with the Jets? What yeah, we never actually overlapped because I started covering the Jets probably around. 86 87 um you're 85 that's right yeah you were 85 so i caught uh, the tail end of klecko because he was on the 86 team i was sort of the backup guy then you know i was second on the depth chart so to speak i didn't take over until 89 (laughs) which was joe walton's last year and uh i think you caught the tail end of walton right now the beginning of walton i I got the i got the beginning of walton 84 85 and that was the end of my career. Yeah. But anyway, that's that's no that's another that's another issue. But that's it doesn't sto- matter. Story um, for another day. I, it, it, that's correct. But but Klecko was great. He was always great. He's a great team guy and uh, as good a player as you could ever get out on a football field or in a bar. Either way, he was the best. That must have been so awesome just to to be part of that you know sack exchange defense. Now, of course, it was the front four guys, but you were right behind them. You know, you were right there behind those guys. It must have been just so cool to be on such a, a unit that just dominated week after week after week. Yeah, yeah, they thought they thought it was cool that they played with Lance Mel and myself. I they thought it was awesome. <laughs> hey, it takes eleven guys, right? That's exactly right. Let me tell you something. And all eleven were on the field trying to do the same thing, win. And that was the best part of it. Yeah. Of course, you know, it's like anything else, is you you had your arguments between everybody. But yeah, it, it all it all worked the right way. Well, Greg, I appreciate your time. Uh, always good to catch up a little bit, and the fans can hear you on you. You know, you're doing the pre and post on ESPN Radio in New York. You and Dan do a great job of putting it all in perspective. You know, and I know everybody listens. You know, on their ride home from you know from the stadium, and uh, give me a quick prediction on Sunday's game: Jets at Bills. Well, quick prediction is going to be that. Uh... The, the the Jets have a very good defense. They're going to make it very hard for Buffalo, but it's not going to be easy for them. And the only thing, the only way the Buffalo Bills win this game is if the Jets turn the ball over. All right, so that, that's that's my prediction. You know, you, the Jets don't have any turnovers. The Buffalo Bills lose the game up in Buffalo. That's that's all I got to tell you. Well, Jets play a clean game and they win. That's what I think. Yes. All right, cool. Well, Greg, thank you so much. I look forward to well, seeing you at the stadium uh, probably next week. And uh, have if I don't, then have a happy Thanksgiving. You got it, buddy. We'll see you. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. 
Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. It's mailbag time. We've got a few, few good ones at Matt Romano 19. How much of the offensive woes are on the running game outside of Brees Hall breaking one and an occasional Zach Wilson scramble? There doesn't seem to be much going for them. Absolutely correct, Matt. You're on the money. I think you're going to see more of Dalvin Cook this week against Buffalo. He clearly had a little bit more burst than usual in the Raider game. I think maybe he's just had a chance to settle in and get in shape after missing training camp. So I think you're going to see more Dalvin Cook. And this, of course, is the reason why they're going to activate Izzy Abanaconda. The guy can run. He's got speed. We didn't see the long speed in the preseason, but we saw some, you know, five to ten yard runs where he showed some bursts. So I think you're going to see Izzy Abanaconda as they try to energize this very, very sluggish running game at Mole Rock. Lazard and Uzama are essentially net negatives at this point. Costly penalties are bad enough, but then with the drops. When is enough enough for this staff to get young players like Ruckert and maybe Brownlee some more snaps? Well, Doc, Dr. James, uh, yeah, I mean, Lazard and Uzama are net negatives. Lazard is dealing with a knee injury, and I don't think people are giving enough credence to that. I think that has slowed him down a little bit. However, he was not productive before the knee injury, so it's a fair criticism. Ozama with the holding penalties, it was just, I mean, come on, two holding penalties last week. He's got to be better than that. I think you will see more of Ruckert on Sunday. Robert Salas said it. The guy deserves to play a little bit more. As for Jason Brownlee, uh, I could see him active on Sunday. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility if they want to reduce Lazard's playing time. Of course, now we have a question with Garrett Wilson. He's going to be questionable with an elbow injury. I do think he will play, but uh, you know, maybe they try Brownlee. They got to try something. The receiving core is Garrett Wilson and everybody else. At Truthful View 13. And the question is. Truthful view, the Jets are loaded at defensive end. Even if Will McDonald was good this year, which he hasn't shown so far, can picking a defensive end in last year's first round be justified over an offensive lineman? Forget about offensive lineman. How about a wide receiver? The Jets passed on Jordan Addison and uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba last year. Uh, Zay Flowers were picked a few spots after Will McDonald. They drafted for strength last year to fortify an already strong area, and they left themselves vulnerable at receiver and certainly on the offensive line with that whole Broderick Jones situation. So, yeah, uh, Joe Douglas, look, had a phenomenal year in 2022 with that draft, which I've written a lot about. 2023, not so good for Joe Douglas. At 2Pank, here's a flight deck question. Is Jeff Ulbrich? A possible NFL head coach candidate, he's an absolute wizard with this defense. Uh, yeah, I think Jeff Ulbrich could be a head coaching candidate. And let me throw this out there. And this is strictly conjecture. I don't know this. It's, it's just conjecture. If the season goes off the rails and the Jets finish, say, 
five and twelve or six and eleven, and Woody Johnson wants to move on from Robert Sala. They have a very interesting situation because they don't really want to get rid of Nathaniel Hackett because that would upset Aaron Rodgers. So how could they come up with a coaching staff keeping Nathaniel Hackett and hiring a new head coach? Well, I think that could be Jeff Ulbrich. What if they promote Ulbrich to head coach, keep Hackett as the OC, that way Rodgers stays happy? Again, strictly conjecture on my part, but I do think Jeff Ulbrich's doing a really good job and deserves some uh, some head coaching candidate love. Last one from at Rule of Law Guy. Zach Wilson plays well late in games when play calling is in catch-up mode. Why not call plays this way the entire game? Well, a couple of reasons. One, the defense is playing soft at that point. You know, they're playing off coverage, so there's more chances to, you know, find openings, you know, find open areas and get open receivers. They're willing to concede the underneath throws. So that's, I know I said two reasons, but that's the primary reason. Teams don't play defense like that the entire game. Uh, you know, you have different, more sophisticated coverages when it's not a hurry-up situation. So that's why you'll see Zach Wilson perk up a little bit. Also, the defense could be get tired later in games, so that's a factor as well. So you can't live in that world when you're running the offense. But we've seen the Jets' offense. They've tried to do some hurry-up tempo the, <clears throat> excuse me, the last couple of weeks, and it really hasn't worked, along with everything else which hasn't worked. And I said that was the last question. We actually have one more uh, from at Big P, the GOAT. Do you believe Hackett is more of the problem with Zach Wilson on offense? Look, Hackett has not done a good job with this offense. I know he's been throwing some curveballs with the, you know, with the Aaron Rodgers injury, but it's the NFL. They have decent players. You should be scoring touchdowns. You know, they've gone almost three games without a touchdown. It's inexcusable. However, if we're assigning blame, I think Zach Wilson's inability to function at a starting caliber level at the quarterback position is a bigger reason for their problem than Nathaniel Hackett. So you're, if you're dividing up the pie chart, I'd say maybe you know 60 to 70% on Zach Wilson and the rest on Nathaniel Hackett if you're splitting it between those two. Zach Wilson has been a historically bad quarterback for the last two and a half years. He's done it under two different coordinators two different systems, two different offensive staffs. I think it's more than coincidence with Zach Wilson. Big game Sunday in Orchard Park. Jets at the Bills. Look, the way I see it, this is a must win for the Jets. They're four and five. They're hanging by a thread. Buffalo, they've got a whole host of issues. They're five and five. They've lost three out of the four out of four. They've lost to the Patriots, Cincinnati, and Denver in devastating fashion. 12 men on the field on a field goal. Crushing, crushing loss. They're in a bad way. They've got some chemistry issues on offense. That's quite apparent. They changed their offensive coordinator this this week. Now they got Joe Brady in there. Uh, We'll see what that does. So they're in a bad way. The Jets are in a bad way. But the fact that it's on the road, and the Bills, uh, they've got Josh Allen. The Jets don't. No, I know Josh Allen has had some tough days against the Jets. Three picks in week one. He's got 14 turnovers for the year. That leads the league. However, might be a little bit of a chip on his shoulder this week. Remember that comment from early in the year when the Jets beat the Eagles and Robert Sala came out and saying how they, we've 
quote, embarrassed, end quote, a bunch of great quarterbacks this year. Well, one of those, that shot was kind of directed at Josh Allen, among others. And I think Josh Allen has probably been reminded of that this week. So we'll see if he gets to throw it back in Robert Sala's face. So bottom line here is I am picking Buffalo 24 to 12, not because they're doing great, but the Jets are just in such a funk. And I don't think they're going to be able to get out of it on the road in a hostile environment. So 24 to 13, Bills, that would drop the Jets to 4 and 6, and they would be in a world of trouble heading into that Black Friday game against Miami. I want to thank our guest this week, Jets linebacker and radio personality Greg Buttle, who owes me a day on the golf course with our good friend Eric Freeman. That would be a fun day. I want to thank my producer, Jeff Scopin, for putting it all together, and we will talk to you next time on Flight Deck.